Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. With me, me, Lati, Lati. Tonight, I'm here with Akusia Otri. In the next 90 minutes, minority in parliament expresses disappointment with police directive for alternative route for protest in demand for the resignation of governors of the Bank of Ghana. Still on eyewitness news, after floods killed eight persons in Yoyo in the northeast region, constituents are up in arms accusing their MP for abandoning them after the downpour. But the MP says this is untrue. The MP has a fiduciary responsibility to the constituent. And in this case, he, he has never stepped foot into the constituency after this. We have that debate for you tonight on Eyewitness News. Also, in the build-up to the NPP Special Delegate Congress, we still find out how the various camps are preparing for that big one on Saturday. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News. And later in business... Research collaborated by Statistical Service and ESA reveals 52% of rural households are allocating a significant portion of income on food expenditure. That will be in the next 15 minutes with Akusia Autry for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is not only broadcasting in the capital here in Accra, we are live across the country on a number of affiliates, including Ajempa 100.7 FM in Takwa Beach, 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi, all in the Western region. If you are listening to us in the Bon region, welcome to Greener. 95.9 FM in Sunyani, Ashanti region. This is Ajimpa, 99.9 FM in Inkarie. In the Volta region, we are listening to Heritage, 107.3 FM in Hohoi Freedom, 88.1 FM in Sugagope, Radio Gaki, 88.3 FM in Saboba in the Northern region. This is Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu in the Upper East region and Nobia FM, 98.1 FM in Nalerugu in the Northeast region. The show is also live on Facebook on City 97.3 FM and also on YouTube on City Tube. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the stories. Uh, share your views and thoughts via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CDFM coming to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop, here in Adaraka in Accra. My name is Ni Lati Lati here tonight with Akusia Otring. Our first story this evening has to do with the protest by the minority in parliament seeking 
uh, to remove the governor of the Bank of Ghana and his deputies from office over what they uh, term as fiscal recklessness and also some impropriety they allege at the central bank. You remember that yesterday uh, the Accra Regional Police Command issued a statement after meeting with the minority, but uh, the minority has actually expressed discomfort with the route selected in parliament by the minority caucus for this particular protest according to the police the route selected by the minority may endanger public safety and order so the police has actually asked the caucus to relocate uh, the route and the destination for this particular picketing in the interest of public order public safety and running of essential services but this actually is a position that the minority caucus disagrees with let's go on to the line now and speak with the member of parliament for boku central mahama yarga to find out if the caucus has actually decided to change the route initially announced good evening to you sir and thank you for joining us on eyewitness news honorable your concern or your caucus is that uh, you want to protest against the governor of the Bank of Ghana. But yesterday you met with the police and in that meeting you actually pushed strongly to get the governor of the Bank of Ghana and his deputy out of office. Uh, first clarify for us, what was uh, in terms of uh, the outcome of the engagement, what really did you agree on? Uh, good evening to you and your listeners. Yesterday, the agreed to allow us to have our demonstration as planned in terms of the scheduled date, but uh, expressed disagreement in relation to the route. They proposed an alternative route. Uh, they wanted us to start from Obra Sport at Circle, uh, march along the road to Accra Central, at Adabraka, they wanted us to turn left and then use the road that takes you to City House. And from City House through the ministries, I think. And then we should terminate at Independence Square. And the reasons they proposed that route was because they wanted to minimize uh, interference with uh, commercial activities and, most importantly, they argued that the Bank of Ghana uh, headquarters building is a security zone and they will not allow us to march to a security zone. We argued that their arguments were very flawed, very flawed because the, the route they designated for us required that we should pass through City House. We drew the attention to the fact that City House is actually Bank of Ghana annex. So if we were... Uh, to endanger Bank of Ghana, we could equally endanger City House, which is a Bank of Ghana annex. The same workers at Bank of Ghana are also working at City House for Bank of Ghana. So that argument was just untenable. Secondly, we also argued that the seat of government, which is the flagstaff house, the Jubilee House, we have marched there before and presented petitions. So if it was possible to march to uh, Jubilee House, you cannot say that uh, for national security considerations, uh, people can march to City House and yet they cannot march to the frontage of the Bank of Ghana. And they said they didn't want us to march through uh, Makola and then uh, Rawlings Park and, and uh, Opera Square because 
Uh, it is a busy commercial area. And we pointed out to them that we have done that before. We have held demonstrations and passed through those same routes and even passed by the Bank of Ghana office and all the banks that are there. So there was really no grounds for asking us to change our route because anything that they mentioned, we have done it before, and they, the police, have uh, policed those demonstrations, and they were very successful and very peaceful. And we're assuring them that the way that they manage those demonstrations, they have the capacity to manage this one also. And so they had no real grounds for asking us to change our route. So we insisted that we would definitely use the route that we had proposed. And so they should just go and prepare themselves to provide uh, security on those routes. And um, later on in the day, they sent a letter to us in which they proposed something completely different from the two uh, proposals that were even on the table when we met. They proposed that we should uh, march from, we should converge in front of Parliament House and then, you know, <laughs> march to Independence Square from Parliament House and we should terminate at Independence Square from Parliament House. We told them that we find that very ridiculous because our entire protest is to point out the mismanagement of the governor and his deputies and his board. And so the whole protest is targeted at the central bank. And so why would you ask us to march to Independence Square and terminate our march from Parliament House to Independence Square? We said we would not do that. The police explanation you describe as untenable, but it's just a protest. And the central bank is a security installation for which reason uh, the police has cited security reasons for your inability to protest to the central bank. If you do not go to the central bank, does it really affect your push for the removal of the governors? First and foremost, it is a big lie that the central bank building is the security installation. There has to be a law that defines it as a security installation, and there's no such law. I don't recall any single law in this country that defines the central bank building as a security installation. It's a big lie. Anybody who tells the security installation is, is, is lying to you. It's just a central bank building. And the central bank is just a regulator. And people, you know, work from there. It's a building. And we're not asking to go into the central bank, not even the premises of the central bank. Our letter is specific that we are marching to the frontage of the central bank. And then we expect the governor and his deputies to come out and come and receive our petition. So one, central bank is not a security installation. Two, we can march there because we have a democratic right to march there. Three, the Ghana police service are paid a salary precisely because of a day like this when we have to march through Makola to central bank and then present a petition that they use their skills, professionalism, and all the tools that we have empowered them with to secure us to march there and disperse peacefully and safely. That's their responsibility. We are going to the central bank to hold the governor accountable. They should also be held accountable in terms of the standard of responsibility of a police service, which is to make sure that when citizens have to exercise their democratic rights, they are there to police them to exercise that democratic right, not to adopt a lazy approach of saying that you know, this building is a security installation, so you cannot go there. Where else can we go? If we can go to the Jubilee House where the president sits and works, where else can't we go to in this country? 
So now that you're in disagreement with the directive from the police, what really is your position now in terms of the protest you want to organize? The police have no power to give us directives in this regard. They have absolutely no power. The law only says that we should notify them so that they can make arrangements to provide protection for those who have to demonstrate and also provide protection along but, the way. But in instances where the police feels that your protest is actually a security threat, it can't deny you that right. They cannot deny us. I'm telling you that they cannot deny us a right to protest along the routes that we have. Go and check the law. If they have to stop us, it is not they who will do it. It has to be a higher authority, and they know. So the police cannot tell us that we cannot we cannot demonstrate along those routes. So what options are left for you now? To let them know that we will be marching on that day along the routes that we have proposed to them, and therefore they should prepare to be there to provide us with the, the protection. They've done it before. There is no route there that we haven't demonstrated before that the police have not secured the demonstrators and secured those living along or working along the path of the demonstration route. So it's, it's uh, just uh, an attempt to find a way of frustrating the organization, but they will not succeed because we definitely will carry out the demonstration and it will be along that route and we will get to the Bank of Ghana frontage and the governor will come down and receive our petition. I see. But really, is the minority not on a wild goose chase? Because in the past, we've seen uh, protests and demonstrations from your end. One, including the Arise Ghana protests, one that you were calling for the removal of Kenoforiata. All of these have not yielded the results that you actually wanted. What makes you think that this time around you are going to get the governors of the Bank of Ghana out of office? You watch us. We have decided that we will continue to protest until the governor leaves office. And if that doesn't happen... Listen, listen. People must be held accountable when they clearly mismanage state institutions. And we're talking about securing our democracy. The democracy must function. And the democracy functions when you use the tools to achieve the right results. We are discussing Niger. We are discussing countries where there are military coups and etc., and you saw how the public was excited about a military takeover in that country. Why do you think it is what we are seeing? Because citizens increasingly are losing confidence in the democratic process resolving their issues. And so increasingly in West Africa, you see military taking over and citizens are excited and happy and giving them all the support. So when institutions are mismanaged and the evidence is clear and people are asking for accountability, we must take those calls serious. Because if we don't take those calls serious, trust me, we are not an exceptional country. And our citizens, their tolerance levels have limits. And you shouldn't overstretch their tolerance levels. And mismanage public institutions and think that you should get away with it and nobody should hold you accountable. Ghanaians have a limit to their tolerance levels. So let us take our democracy seriously. So this is not a joke about, you know, simple politicking. We are looking fundamentally at the fabric of our democracy and making sure that we demonstrate to Ghanaians our readiness as a minority to hold government accountable. So if people think that this is just a joke and this and that, we are not treating it as a joke. We demand the removal of the governor and his deputies 
and the board because you cannot so mismanage a central bank that you will lose 60 billion cities and then bring it to a, neg- a negative equity of 55 billion cities. And then you will go and take, you know, 222 million United States dollars to go and construct an office building when PPA recommended to you that you should use 81 million United States dollars. I mean, in, in this situation where there is a serious crisis, I mean, that's, that's not the kind of mm. signal that leaders should send to, to citizens. When there's, there's suffering all over, and you are saying that those institutions cannot be held accountable. And when you do that, you set very bad examples for future leaders. If we allow this to pass, can you imagine what a future central bank governor will do? I see, but, but Honorable, the central bank has, has provided justifications for some of these things. For example, they say that the no losses are technical the losses. And they the law. Okay, but but, but quickly, let's wrap up, Honorable. Is it a case that uh, you are going ahead with the protest regardless on 5th September or you are willing to engage the police further to come to an amicable, you know, resolve in finding the roots for this particular one? The The law says that we should give them notice. We have given them notice. They invited us. We went. And then we discussed. And we insisted that we are going to use the route that we will use. They have issued a statement, and then they have written to us. We will respond to them. If they invite us for further discussions, we will go. Otherwise, we've made very clear to them the route that we are going to use. But we will respond to their letter, and we will make it known to them that All right. uh, they have absolutely no justification for changing our route. We are waiting your letter to the police and also wishing you well in your quest to get the governors of the Bank of Ghana out of office. But that's Member of Parliament for Boku Central, Mahama Ayariga, expressing strong disagreement with the directive from the Ghana Police Service for the minority caucus to find alternative route for the protests in demand for the resignation of the governors of the Bank of Ghana. This is still Eyewitness News or 97 Point three CTFM. Let me bring you some of your messages. And this one says it's very wrong to say that this political administration or government has performed better than all the uh, uh, political administrations so far. And also, NPP superdelegate conference should not be news because only a few members among the party faithful are now enjoying. We are going to get into that one pretty shortly. But also, uh, Aaron Babako Kokomesa from Accra says we need strong proper mechanisms or measures to fight corruption and certain unlawful acts within the system or better still our law should be structured in such a way that it would not deter government officials or citizens from engaging in corrupt deals. So I want to believe that this is in relation to the issues at the Bank of Ghana. But we are taking a break here on Eyewitness News. Return with more. Don't go away. This news. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM coming to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. We are also live across our partner stations and around the world on citynewsroom.com. My name is Ni Lati Lati here tonight with Akusia Otri. 
I want to take you to the Northeast region now because the National Democratic Congress there in the Yoyo constituency are not really happy. In fact, they are in shock. Guess why? Over the failure of the Member of Parliament for the area to visit the community to sympathize with them following the devastation caused by heavy rains. Uh, we remember that about two weeks ago, after torrential rains there, eight lives were claimed bridges were destroyed and residential facilities were also affected the residents are not too happy because they've been rendered homeless and the roads have now become impassable because of the torrential downpour and they are leveling serious allegations against the member of parliament for abandoning them and so we want to interrogate that issue for you tonight here on eyewitness news first is the NDC communication officer for the Yonyo constituency in the Northeast region in the person of NS Bawanim Gat. He joins us tonight on Eyewitness News. Uh, good evening to you, sir, and thank you for joining us here tonight. Mr. Gat, mm. what really were you expecting your member of parliament to do for you after the torrential rains that he hasn't done, for which reason you think he has abandoned you? Thank you very much for this important opportunity. Uh, first of all, let me extend greetings to my constituency chairman and all comrades in your constituency, as well as all the constituents in your constituency. It is important to state that political office holders have the fiduciary responsibility to remain accountable, responsible, and answerable to those who put them into office. In the same vein, the electorate have the responsibility to hold their feet or the feet of political office holders to the test of accountability. And that is exactly what this release sought to do. You remember that uh, two weeks ago, the uh, flat situation in the Northeast region, as well as the usual constituency, was sudden and traumatic. We thought that this was a trigger event that would have afforded the Honorable Member of Parliament for the constituency, Honorable Oscar Liwal, the opportunity, okay, to highlight and come to the constituency to empathize with the people for this particular issue, to, to compel authorities and duty bearers, as well as the central government, to act on it. But as I speak, we are in shock because after this, the honorable member of parliament has not stepped foot into the constituency. All other members of parliament in the northeast region, the member of parliament from Malerugu, Gambaga, Walawali, they all rise into their constituencies. Okay? to empathize with their constituents. Unfortunately, same cannot be said about the Honorable Member of Parliament for our area. I see. This was a period but, but, that we needed but, but, but before you continue, have you tried uh, seeking explanation from your MP for his inability to visit you as you explained? In fact, uh, we haven't done that. But he has the responsibility to respond to the needs of the constituents. We don't need any explanation from him. You see, we, we just say that as constituents and as uh, members of the NDC, we have the responsibility to speak to the media to bring out this issue so that it can put him, uh, it can bring him from his right hole so that he, he will respond to the needs of the constituents. It is not good enough that people will vote you to an office and then at the time that they need you most, you will not respond to them. So we saw it um, very accurate for us and timely for us to issue a press release calling on him, appealing to him to listen to the plight of the 
constituents. Mm. The people have been calling us, appealing to us, but we are not in office. Our party is not in office. Uh, 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 I so see, but, but do you also agree that um, perhaps the first institution to fall on when disasters like uh, floods happen is the National Disaster Management mm. Organization? You receive support from NADMO, no? My brother, Nilate, in fact, he's an honorable member of parliament. He's the one we voted to parliament. Okay, is the one the people voted and sent to parliament to represent their interests and their aspirations, their views, their opinions, and everything. So he's the first point of call. He has to now call on NADMO to respond to the people and not us calling on NADMO. NADMO doesn't know us. NADMO doesn't know us. He knows us. He knows us. His constituents. He knows us. He knows what we are. In fact, he was there. He was um, from the same community with him. You see? So he knows the, the nature of the area. He knows the problems you encounter year after year. He knows the deplorable rules. He knows what the flood has caused to the people. It is traumatic. So he is the first point of call. He's our honorable member. He's the one we sent to parliament. He owes us that fiduciary responsibility. That is why we are calling on him to, 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 to address the situation. I see. But won't you also say your failure to also call his attention is to account for the difficulties or challenges you have with him? It, it, does it really matter if you also say that, Honorable, these are the challenges you are facing. Come to our aid. That is why we have issued this release. We couldn't have done that immediately. We just gave him the window of opportunity, the window of opportunity to see if he could mobilize, we could take some few days and mobilize and come. And it has been two weeks, my brother. This incident happened on 9th August. It has been two weeks of counting. You see? So we are giving him enough time. And we think this is the opportune time that we can call, we can highlight the issue so that the media will take it and it will draw government's attention to the plight of the people mm. in the union. I, I, I see. But I'm also interested in knowing your relationship with the MP. Has he been responsive in time past or you are having strong issues with this particular flooding situation that happened? That has been his nature. He, 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 he just in some kind of knee-jerk reaction. Until you call on him, he will not mind us. That should not be the case. You see, you should, that is why I said he has that fiduciary responsibility. In fact, you didn't go there on marriage. People voted for you. People killed and voted for you. You are paid by their, on account of their taxes. You see, so you owe them that responsibility. To, 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 to a responsibility of representation, to articulate and advocate on their behalf. So to the extent that he has failed, he has neglected and abandoned the constituency, in fact, it is a shame. I see. Hold on for me, Mr. Gatz. Uh, fortunately, I have your MP on the other line. Oscar Lewal is the Member of Parliament for Yoyo Constituency in the Northeast region. Honorable, good evening to you. Thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Uh, serious allegations coming from your constituents because they say that uh, after floods devastated the community, you have not showed up. Is that the case? Good evening and thank you for the opportunity. In fact, uh, the NDC communication officer is uh, is my brother from the same community. So this while allegation that I neglected the people, I think he should bow his head in shame. I have been in constituency since Saturday. Today is what? Today is Wednesday. No, today is Thursday. Today is Thursday. 
So from Saturday up to Thursday, I'm in the constituency. I don't know whether he's been sleeping or he just refused and he, he wants to score cheap political points. But even before you proceed, Honorable, the incident yes. happened on 9th August. You claim you were there on Saturday. So between happened, when the incident it, happened and when you moved in, what were you doing last, about the situation? Last, last week before my, my coming, and the first thing I did was make Nagmo to go around, do registration, to know the, 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 the extent of damage before I can respond appropriately. So I came on Saturday, I've made rounds in the in the constituency, went around, I interacted with the people, I sympathized with the people, and as I'm speaking, I'm in Jimbali, where he the communication director is coming from. And this afternoon, I was with the regional admo director with relief attempt. The whole Jimbali community, people that were seriously affected, received relief items this afternoon, including Ernest's father and his mother. He should, he should, he should tell me that he's been able to, 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 to find out about his own people, his mother, the old lady in the house, the father in the house, that he's responsible. He should have also rushed down to see his mother, his own mother. Currently, as I'm speaking, there is no sleeping place for the mother. I brought relief items for his mother just this afternoon. Oh, honorable, it appears you are. If you, if you, if you wouldn't mind. No, no, honorable, we are I'm talking here about with the father, the father of God, and as God, the father is here. Hon- honorable. He is uh, an eyewitness. He received some of the relief items. Honorable, speak to him. Gats is just communicating what the party thinks is the situation and not from a personal level. So it's quite problematic to be referring to his relative. Just tell us, Honorable, what, 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 relief, what, what relief have you provided for constituents of Yonyo following the, 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 in the, the first flag? place, In the first place, some have no sleeping place. They have to join other landlords to, to, to lay their heads. So the first thing to do is to get them a sleeping place where they can sleep on, what they can feed on. How, how many people were I'm, affected and how many sleeping places did you provide? Jimbali, Jimbali, the number of people that were seriously affected were more than uh, 40. People who have no home where to lay their heads. Are more than 40, and they are the people that are attended to this afternoon, including Ernest Father, who is here with me, and he's ready to testify that what Ernest is saying is a, is a, is a way of uh, scoring cheap political points. But be but, as it may, will you also fault the constituents if they say you were not prompt in your actions? Come again. I'm asking if you will fall to the constituents if they, they say that you were not uh, quick enough to come to their aid. No, the constituents are not complaining because you have to organize yourself before you, you can attend to them. They have no problem at all. 
but, have no problem. But, but in the in the statement that was issued by the youth of the NDC in the constituency, among other things, they raised issue about the deplorable state of roads in the area and also some broken bridges that have not been fixed. Are you able to speak about yes. interventions for, in that for regard? The deplorable roads, roads in your constituency, it is something that I started working on when I was a DC. And for the roads, the central government is aware and we have plans are underway to attend to those deplorable roads. It is not a day issue that you can uh, come solve it. Now, some of the bridges and the roads, no vehicle can, can, can pass there. Even if you are going to work on the road, there is no vehicle that can pass there. Unless somewhere December or January, where the place will be fully dry before we can work on the roads. I see. So uh, m- people m- are lamenting, mm. fine. They have the right to lament, but I don't have the solution now unless it's the rain. Let me get back to Gat and then for him to react to the assertion that you have made. I also give you the opportunity to, you know, come back again. But Mr. Gat, you are the NDC communication officer for the Yoyo constituency. Well, you raised wild allegations against your MP. He's tried to clarify some of the issues, insisting that the comments you have made are untrue. What's your reaction? Hello, Mr. Gat. Mr. Gat, can you hear me? Uh, apologies that we are struggling to get NS Bawanim Gat, the NDC communications officer for the Union constituency in the Northeast region. Oscar Lewal is the member of parliament for the for the Union constituency. Um, Honorable, if you can still hear me, you were trying to make an intervention. Yes. Yes, yes. I was saying that if you do my, you let the father of work and us to talk to, 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 to this issue. Uh, um, Honorable, I'm sorry that cannot happen, uh, but thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us. That's Oscar Lewal, Member of Parliament for Union Constituency in the Northeast Region. Earlier, we heard Ernest Bowenem Gat, NDC Communication Officer for the Union Constituency in the Northeast Region. The issue actually is that uh, the NDC in the constituency are not happy because days after they were devastated as a result of heavy rains in the community, they say the Member of Parliament for the area has not come to their aid and they are still wallowing in the difficulties in the aftermath of the torrential rains. A claim the Member of Parliament has actually denied vehemently here on Eyewitness News. You are still listening to us here on Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Don't go away. We have more stories for you. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, members of the New Patriotic Party in the Kwadaso constituency are steadfastly backing their former member of parliament, Dr. Owusu Friyakoto, as their favorite candidate for the party's flag bearer position. According to them, their support remains unwavering even after the incumbent member of parliament's recent endorsement 
of a different candidate. The NPP members in Kwadaso, which include polling station executives and coordinators, are resolute in their confidence in Dr. Akuto's leadership within the party. How about what our MP will say or what our constituency chairman or anybody will say? They have their way, they have their choice, but we also have our way to take decisions for ourselves. The record speaks for itself. Dr. Joseph Yagoto is the best performing agric minister in, in the Fourth Republic. In 2021, the agri sector grew around 8.4%. And it is unprecedented in the history of the Republic. I'm not saying that. The facts and figures are there to, to demonstrate for everybody to see. And this is the reason why we are saying that Dr. Yagoto is a competent and he can lead the party and represent our party. You see, this contest that we are going in is about what you have done for the party, what you did in office, and your vision for this country and the party. And Dr. Joseph Yakuto has demonstrated in all angles that he's competent in all angles to serve our party in this country. He has given us a classical example of countries that are practicing and is working for them. I spoke about uh, the ANC of South Africa, which is the most common political party all of us can bear with the RPD at Rwanda. They all have practiced it and it is working for them. It is linking the, the party to the government. And this is a very essential thing and a, an innovative thing. Now when it comes, it's going to help the party and it's going to help the, the, the delegates in this country. You had a polling station executive in the Kwadaso constituency, Ernest Frimpong. Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM are preparing for that big one on Saturday as far as the special delegates congress of the governing new patriotic party is concerned. Ten aspirant vying to be presidential candidate for the governing NPP, the number is going to be whittled down to five and members of the party are actually looking forward to that one on Saturday. Today, the party has issued a statement detailing and the protocol measures for special electoral college election for Saturday. I want to read uh, portions of those measures for you and begin with the presidential elections committee would like to extend its sincere appreciation to all aspirants, stakeholders and the public for their invaluable feedback and collaborative efforts throughout the duration of this process. This cooperative engagement has significantly contributed to fostering interactions among the involved parties. One, it is important to reiterate that the committee has entrusted the entirety of the electoral procedure to the electoral commission with the paramount responsibility of ensuring a transparent, fair and unfettered election. Furthermore, the exclusive oversight of security matters rests with the police and assets beyond security perimeters is restricted solely to duly accredited delegates, aspirant committee members or their representatives and agents of the aspirant. Three, we kindly remind delegates to carry their identification cards and to verify their names at the initial security checkpoint. Also, moreover, all regional executive committees are kindly requested to suspend any previously planned programs, including but not limited to workshops, training, extended meetings, retreats, residential retreats, or any event involving delegate campaign for the duration of this week until the conclusion of the Electoral College election. Five, in adherence to legal protocols, delegates are strongly advised to conform 
to all electoral laws, regulations and rules on Saturday, August 26, 2023. The statement continues. What more does it contain? Yes, in point six, it says we wish to emphasize that capturing images of cast ballots is strictly prohibited and constitutes a breach of uh, constitutes rather a breach of electoral regulations warranting punitive actions. In point seven, it goes ahead to say it is essential to note that publicly displaying cast ballots constitutes a criminal offense. We hereby serve notice that those who violate this provision shall be subjected to legal repercussions in accordance with the law. Now, let me take you to uh, point nine. It says, considering this, it is anticipated that there will be no provision for a public address or occasion for any national party executive, government representative or regional executive to publicly address delegates on the day of the voting. Uh, point 11, there will be no special accreditation for the media and observers. The police will facilitate the movement of everyone at the various voting centers. And the last point says, we wish to reiterate once again that a committee is indeed committed to conducting free, fair and transparent elections without any bias, fear or favor. We therefore need the cooperation of all stakeholders. Uh, it's signed by the Secretary of the Presidential Elections Committee, William Yamwa. Mm. So those are actually the rules and regulations that are going to guide Saturday's election as far as the NPP Special Delegates Congress is concerned. Ten as parents, as I have mentioned, the number is going to be reduced to five for the party to select and decide who represents them in the 2024 election. Let's find out how some of the various camps are preparing for Saturday's poll. And I want to bring in Yawatin. He is a spokesperson for the flag bearer aspirant Adai Nimo. He's with that camp. He joins us on Eyewitness News. Mr. Boatin, thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. First, how upbeat are you about the polls on Saturday? Okay. Uh, good evening to your cherished listeners and to everybody listening to City Eyewitness News this day. Um, we, as a team in Honorable Francis Daily Most Camp, are resolute in whatever we are doing and that we know at the end of the polls our candidates will emerge as one of the five people that will be selected by the party to go into the major election to elect the ultimate person to become the flag bearer of which we know it will be engineer Francis Adainimo at the end of the day. So we are very certain and prepared towards Saturday and everything is working in our way. Every aspirant is prepared. How different is your preparation? Okay, in our case, we have spoken, we have done one-on-one with everybody that matters in this election. And then we have also done a map-up, a map-up one, to know our strength so that we can know who is going in for us and who wouldn't be going in for us. And as as a party, with Honorable Francis Adainimo, we believe in the submarine taxes where we don't normally come up with figures. We don't put our activities out there for people to know what we are doing. But that is our strategy that is working for us. Others would have yes, but that is working for us. And we stick to that and that is working for us. And we know it is going to help us come Saturday 
from other candidates. I'm sure you've been assessing and monitoring the political environment in the NPP as far as this one is concerned. Are you not concerned about the fact that uh, Francis Adenimo has not been tipped to be part of the top five candidates after the end of the polls on Saturday? Come again, you said I wouldn't I be surprised or... I'm asking, on... are you not concerned about, you know, projections that your candidate, that's Francis Adenimo, will not come up as part of the top five at the end of the polls? You know, we have the experience of 2014. In 2014, Honorable Engineer Francis Adenimo was part of the 2014 election that held that was held with the super delegates. Honorable Francis Adenimo was one of the five that was selected out of the lot and also became ultimately became the third place in the general one. But what people don't know is that people could just be paid to do their surveys, people could just be be doing surveys that will favor their candidates or whatever. But what we believe is those surveys actually reflect what our delegates want, or it is just a normal survey where anybody could be asked. That is our concern. But what we know and believe is that it is the people that matter that we have spoken to, and it is that same trick that we used in 2013, sorry, in 2014, that works for us, that we are using. So we are resolute and we know what we are doing. And then we are not much concerned about polls that have come, others pretty claim putting on our fans that they know that it wouldn't be part of the fight. We know all those things and we believe that some of these things, when they are done, it is just done just to derail you or just put you down. But we know as a team, we are focused on what we are doing and we are not prepared about the results of polls that are coming up. But our ultimate goal is on the election that is coming on Saturday. But this 2014 scenario you try to make reference to, at the end of the polls, uh, Francis Adenimo actually garnered about a paltry 2% of the vote cast. This time around, the competition is even tougher. You, you would see the competition as being tough simply because possibly it is because others have, you see others to have been resolved or they have resources or whatever. But as I told you, everybody in an election has his own strategy to meeting the election need. And we have our own strategy. And we have learned our mistakes in 2014. And we are working on it in this 2023 election. So we have a way of doing our things that suits us. And we are not looking at what others are doing or what others think what we should do so that it will favor us. But we are working in line with what we have. All right. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Yabuatin. He's flag bearer of the. He's with the uh, camp of Francis Adenimo, flag bearer aspirant of the NPP, uh, speaking to us about the chances of his candidate ahead of Saturday's election. 
Nee, let's move away from politics because the Ministry of Chieftaincy and Religious Affairs is set to resume its Christian pilgrimage to Israel with the first trip scheduled from September 22 to September 30, 2023. The pilgrimage, initiated in 2017 but halted due to the COVID-19 pandemic, aims to provide Christians with a chance to visit Israel's holy sites and deepen their religious faith. Mm. Well, more religious bodies are actually joining or weighing in in what is happening in Niger. First, the Presbyterian Church of Ghana warned of, you know, the recruitment of military men from Ghana to ensure stability in Niger. Today, the Catholic Secretariat has also issued a statement that the Ghana Catholic Bishops Conference on the use of force to restore constitutional regime in the Republic of Niger. They've issued a two-page statement. I want to read portions of it for you and then get a response from the Secretariat. It says that it is the position of the conference that the idea of an ECOWAS military intervention for the restoration of constitutional regime in Niger should not even be contemplated. We should note that already Mali and Burkina Faso have dispatched warplanes to Niger in response to a potential military intervention by ECOWAS. Further, it is the position of the conference that ECOWAS and its leaders should explore diplomacy in handling the situation. This will require further engagement with the cool leaders to discuss a concrete roadmap for the situation. The conference is also confident that this approach will enable all parties and the mediators to speedily design long-lasting solutions to the situation. In Niger. Most Reverend Matthew Kwesi Jemfi is the president of the Catholic Bishop of Kof- is, is the Catholic Bishop of Kofurudia and also president of the Ghana Catholic Bishops Conference. He joins us on Eyewitness News. Father, the Lord be with you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. And also with you. Mm. Well, are you concerned or are you, are you uh, expressing fears that the use of military in intervening in this political instability in Niger will actually degenerate into a full-blown war? Uh, yes, first of all, let me make the correction that I'm the Catholic Bishop of Sinyani and not Kofuridia. P- apologies, sir. Okay, yeah. so Kali Bishop of Sinyani and then the president of the Ghana Catholic Bishops Conference. Yes, coming to the question we have asked, yes, we all have concern that the military takeover can lead to uh, wars between and amongst countries in West Africa. If you look at what has happened, you observe immediately that uh, ECOWAS is divided. There are those who are thinking of the possibility of taking up arms to go and install uh, the president. Then there are other members within the ECOWAS, Senegal, Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso, all within the ECOWAS who are saying they will support Niger 
against any intervention from anybody. So it is no longer uh, ECOWAS that is going against Niger because ECOWAS is divided. And when it's a session of ECOWAS, you can't call it ECOWAS. There's only some left within the West African sub-region. And when it happens like that, it is no longer ECOWAS who is acting. It is section of it. And that brings a division. And there could be serious consequences on the uh, key-level uh, division within the ECOWAS and within the West African sub-region. So we are very, very... I see. But among the various options available for persons who are trying to restore constitutional order, they are not ruling out diplomacy, which you also advocate for this particular one. Sure. That is the line we are encouraging all the equals. So no party or no group of countries within the region to pick up arms to go and say we are going to firstly reinstall the deposed government. We should rather listen to them very, very carefully. And we can find ways for them to come back to constitutional rule, constitutional democracy. Who knows? It could even be that through the negotiations and the discussions, they could bring back the same government the same persons that they have overthrown. So it's a matter of dialogue. And you should dialogue rather than thinking of picking up arms. And arms will not solve any problem. It will complicate and worsen the situation. And finally, we realize that you have to come back to dialogue. That will be the only way forward. So beyond the release of this statement, uh, what really is the Secretariat also considering to ensure that its message is put across? Well, as you recognize, the Ghana Party Bishops' Conference, we are part of a bigger West African Bishops' Conference, which we call RECOWA. That means Regional Episcopal Conferences of West Africa. So each bishop's conference in each of all the countries making up ECOWAS, each bishop's conference is lobbying and calling on their government in their respective countries not to go for war. And that is how we are going to go back. Uh, aside from that, if there is any sign that we are to go to war, we appeal to the parliament, to the people, to impress on the government to respond the decision. So we have not just made a statement. We are also going to make sure that the government also listens to the people. All right, let's leave it here and see how this one also unfolds. Thus, Most Reverend Matthew Kwesi Jemfi, Catholic Bishop of Sunyain and also President of the Ghana Catholic Bishops Conference. The conference has released a statement regarding the issues in Niger asking that the use of force is aborted and diplomacy is adopted to restore constitutional regime in Niger. But this is the Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM return 
with the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Akusi Autry here with City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details. Data by the International Food Policy Research Institute show that approximately 52% of deprived rural households allocate a significant portion of their income towards food expenses. Furthermore, the data highlights that poor households tend to utilize a higher proportion of unskilled labor in contrast to their wealthier counterparts. Speaking on the sidelines of the presentation of the 2019 report on the social accounting matrix, which was done in collaboration with GSS and ESE, Seth Asante, the country team representative of the institute, presented highlights of the report. So in terms of uh, disaggregating the households, uh, we kind of fall on uh, recently available data, which is the GLSS 7 data sets, which is a national, nationally representative database uh, for Ghana. So we looked at it by disaggregating it into the various labor components, uh, looking at skilled and unskilled labor, looking at it from the low skilled with uh, minimum education to the highest uh, level of uh, education in terms of employment within uh, the economy. That was Seth Asante, country team representative of the International Food Policy Research Institute. Now the Ghana Hotels Association is asking for clarity from the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC, on whether businesses under the commercial category will be affected by the recent tariff adjustment. The PURC announced a 4.22% uh, increase in electricity tariffs with effect from September 1, 2023. Speaking to City Business News, President of the Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyameke, called on the PRC to be clear on whether entities within the category are exempted from the tariff hikes. The issue by the PRC elicited in some, some confusion uh, because we, we are not too sure whether we're captured in the... But the PRC has placed us on the commercial category, okay, but from the... Statement the issue, there's no mention of commercial category. They just mentioned the non-residential and then listed the businesses and were not mentioned. So I'm not too sure if we, we are captured. Because yesterday we were of the impression that the 4.2 for electricity and then 1.18 for water would affect us as well. But Dr. Edward Akanyameke is the president of the Ghana Hotels Association. Economist Professor Godfred Bokwing has expressed optimism about Ghana's capacity to secure the next tranche of the $3 billion IMF bailout within this year. He foresees that Ghana is well positioned to fulfill the necessary conditions paving the way for the country to unlock the next installment of the bailout. Recognizing the initial projection for disbursement in September, Professor Bogwin explained that a timeline for the next tranche uh, release is likely to be shifted. 
the the journey ahead looks quite manageable. Um, I'm saying manageable because um, the incentive to work hard meets all those targets is quite high. Also because we are negotiating with our external creditors, external bilateral, external commercial. We have to demonstrate to stakeholders, our multilateral partners, our creditors that we are doing our part of the bargain in fulfilling the conditions. I, I do not anticipate significant headwind and we assessing the next tranche. Economist Professor Godfred Buckwing. Now let's get you some exciting news because it's a day more to Ghana's largest street fair. This is Ghana exhibition organized by City FM and CDTV. The event span in two days is set to take place on Saturday, August 26 and Sunday, August 27 at the forecourt of the Accra Metropolitan Assembly. This exhibition offers a vital platform for local small and medium medium enterprises, startups, homegrown businesses, innovative ventures, and indigenous corporate entities to showcase their diverse range of products and services to potential uh, buyers and prospective investors. Ahead of the event, several exhibitors who will be proudly displaying their indigenous products shared their goals and aspirations with City News, shedding light on what they hope to achieve through this remarkable showcase. We produce products for fashion people, whether you are learning it or you are using it to do business. Yeah. And then services that help you not to be stuck in uh, executing your ideas into products. We've come to find out more players in the industry. As a business, you don't stand alone. And uh, people support you, people partner, and you can leverage on other people's strengths. And then some customers deal with businesses, they don't meet. So it's an opportunity for them to meet us in person and build a brand loyalty. Mm. Yeah, and also to make some sales, some more sales. That was a representative of DLM Fashion Display uh, who will be exhibiting their products and services come the Saturday and Sunday at the forecourt of the AMA. You do not want to miss this opportunity. But this is Ghana. Exhibition is powered by City TV and City FM and proudly sponsored by MTN Momo, Nalo Solutions, Pan-African Savings and Loans, SNV Ghana and EK Brand Consult. For more inquiries on this, you can call us on the number 0205-973-973 to register. Well, that's how we wrap up City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Autry. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
97.3 CTFM. This is still Eyewitness News. Coming to you live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Neil Atilati. Time now for Point Blank. And tonight, we are still building up to the NPP Special Delegate Conference on Saturday. Trying to touch base with some of the camps. Earlier, we are the camp of Francis Adenimo. Tonight on Point Blank, we hit the camp of Vice President Dr. Mohamed Baumia. Miracles Dennis Abouaje is one of the spokespersons for Dr. Baumia and he's our guest tonight on Eyewitness News. Mr. Abouaje, thank you for joining us on Point Blank on Eyewitness News this evening. Thank you, my brother. Mm, how is it going? Ah, so far, so good. Mm, so far, so good. Huh? good. <laughs> we can't I complain. See. It's been an amazing journey so far. Amazing but tough. Yeah, I mean, there's no easy elections anywhere mm. in the world. You I know, see. Even class preferred elections are tough. I, isn't this an easy one because it appears people are tipping the vice president to to, to, not to the vice material. president. Mm. The vice president does not underrate any elections, mm. and so he's working hard, working to the end, working till elections are declared. Mm, I see. But you are also a big person. You're a presidential staffer. You've served as an MC before. Uh, how how has everything been going? But I'm small. Mm. If you look at me, I'm oh no, you are a big person. Also into <laughs> local government and what have yeah, you. I'm, I'm very very small. But I think I think we we are taking it one at a time. Mm. Um, a lot of things happening at the same time, and once we can count progress, I think that's that's the most important thing. Mm. What progress have you been counting? Well, in 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 several areas, we we see progress. Of course, there are teething challenges um, that we are facing, just as any other country is facing at the moment but we see progress we see progress in education we but how do we act to concerns that these teaching problems you are talking about is as a result of your own doing as uh, the government you know that is false i mm. mean uh, that's that is um, not an entirely factual statement and everybody that wants to be objective knows that that is not the case because well, we'll, we'll be going deeper into because, it <laughs> because if that was the case then it should only be ghana experiencing that situation but it's global eh? i mean exactly but it's a fact that it's global that across the world every country is having their own fair share of of this this global economic crisis i mean we experience something that the world hasn't seen in over 120 years the spanish flu was like when 1920 thereabouts very few people are alive today who experience the, 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 the spanish flu and uh, the fact of the matter is that there was a complete disruption of global supply chain, which affected, you know, um, every other economy in the world. West of it are economies like ours, which were still um, building our our fundamentals. And so, the the magnitude of the challenge, of course, is not the same. But we cannot say that this is an isolated case of Ghana. I see. But let's talk about the campaigning specifically. Uh, how are things shaping up some 48 hours to that big one on Saturday? How has it been going? The, the vice president for about 40, 45 days was on the road mm-hmm. engaging polling station executives, electoral area coordinators and constituency executives across the country. So he did Greater Accra, Ashanti region, Western, Central and Eastern region. These five regions are made up of um, 154 constituencies, and they have a total of 
about 128,000 delegates. But last week, Sunday, um, he finished with Eastern Region on the constituency-based campaign. And so what the vice president did was to take a break on the constituency base so he can focus on the special delegates. And so for the past one week, he has been engaging the close to about a thousand special delegates across the country. And this evening is just about wrapping up the Ashanti region special delegates engagement, which would mean that he has visited all 16 regions meeting the special delegates. Then he gets back to Accra to wrap up with the other other special delegates who are not are not mm. in the regions. All oh, sixteen regions. Yes. That's quite a serious one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it means it's business. Work. It's a lot of work. I told mm. you, the the vice president Dr. Mahmoud Bamia is the most hardworking um, politician I've, I've I've worked with. You know, with the constituency based campaign, we do an average of about four constituencies in a day, and it would surprise you to note that there is no constituency that he speaks less than one and a half hours. Mm. So basically, the vice president is on his feet, speaking for close to about six to seven hours every day. And we did all of this consistently back to back for about 40, 45 days. You know? And immediately we came back from Eastern Region. The next day, we started a special delegate tour. We went to OT Region, did Voter Region, passed to do um, Western, Western North, Central, and today we are wrapping up the 16th region in, in Ashanti Region. Mm. But what's your thoughts really on concerns that well, the vice president is actually abusing his incumbency, trying to campaign and also going about his official duties? How, how, how do you abuse incumbency when you are doing official duties? I thought you would say that he's campaigning and he's not doing official duties. We, we, we would acknowledge maybe, maybe the that results are not glaring enough because of the kind of economic situation we are facing. People think that instead of him to focus on you know managing the economy, he's going about undertaking political activities. Those are those are for me. I think pedestrian conversations that people also, are allowed. I mean, in every election, which politician, which world, do you have any politician say that there is an election? Are we going to postpone the elections? Are we going to postpone 2024 elections because of the economic conditions? If we would, then why not? We cannot take a break and say there will not be any elections, so let's sit down. But, and but remember, again. President Ekufado said that if any of his members in government actually has political ambitions, they should step down. The, the vice president is always an exception. Mm. No president or no vice president resigns to contest a political appointment. Which democracy? Mm. Which democracy? It is the, the uh, vice president is not an appointee of the government. He was running as a running mate, certified before the president actually files for his candidature. Is that not the case? So you justifying that? It's not justifying. It's the law. It's the law. It's not justification. It's the law. There's no law. There's no law. There's no regulation. The vice president is not like other appointees. He is not an appointee of the government. Okay. He ran on a ticket, on the same ticket with the president. Okay. Even though his face is not on the ballot paper, he's certified as a running mate before the candidate qualifies to fully uh, uh, run for, for that election. So there are several um, things that the vice president will enjoy that all other appointees of government would not would not enjoy. And yeah. rightly so, so, so those, those, who are, those enjoyment you refer to, that's what actually people are saying. But, but, that's, but that's false. <laughs> you know, you don't, you cannot make a blanket statement and just walk away with it. Mm. The vice president from day one has been running this campaign on his own resources. Okay, 154 constituencies. We visited all with the bars, a campaign bars. 
the vice president has not gone to any constituency on the state resource. All of us are in the same bus. 154. We've gone all the way to Wasa Menfi. We've gone all the way to um, Trifopraso. We've gone all the way to the farthest place you can think of in the eastern region. Afram Plains, north and south and all of that on a bus. And so if the vice president is running a campaign on his own resources, how do you raise an issue of incumbency? You can't assume abuse. You must establish abuse. And so anybody that mentions abuse, let them establish it. But you can't just assume that because I am vice president, I should necessarily be abusing some form of power or the other. At the moment, it is not a fact. The vice president has not, under any circumstance, abused um, um, incumbency in any way. This campaign is wholly run by the campaign team. Resources raised from volunteers and individuals. We have a short code, star 202 hash. You can try right now. Before I leave here, I'm going to uh, encourage all of you, Samir Afi and Akusia Demso, everybody should dial star 202 and contribute. Every morning, every evening, we are sitting behind our computers and we are seeing tens of thousands of Ghanaians contribute towards the vice president's campaign. It will surprise you. Mm -hmm. Before we get to a constituency, we get calls. They will say, you know what, as you are coming, we have 800 delegates in this area. They are water, the seat they will sit on, they are lunch, they are TNT to and back to their, to and from their homes. Uh, please, don't prepare for it. We are going to foot the bill. Mm -hmm. You have people who call you and say, you know, when you get to Mankasim, the filling station around the roundabout, it is for me. Pack your bus there and then fill up and go. The media men that are with us, you can find out from your team. They are also in a bus. They are in a minibus following us. And so you can't just be there and assume abuse. You must establish it. And if you can't establish it, you don't have to force yourself, yourself to make such speculative allegations when I, they, I, there's I, I none see. But Miracle, how has the reception been you know, on this campaign trail? Uh, and also, are people being whipped in line to throw their weight behind the vice president? The members of the New Patriotic Party across the country have since the year 2022 been convinced that we have to win election 2024, both for the sake of the MPP and the, and, and, and the Republic of Ghana, because of what happened in the past. We've experienced this before. This MPP party was in government in 2000 to 2008. Of all the things President Kofor did, of all the transformations President Kofor brought into our country, by the time President Kofor was living in 2008, Ghana was called a gateway to Africa. We said we're in the golden age of business. Banks, Fidelity, Stanchart, Barclays were coming to our homes to beg us to come for loans. They filled the loan forms in our homes. That was how far we had gotten. President Kofor was the one who introduced what we call, what we know to be today, social intervention policies, which ensure that if you're a Ghanaian, wherever you find yourself, it will be difficult for you to say that there was a government that I did not benefit anything from. National health insurance, free maternal care, school feeding program, free compulsory universal basic education became a reality under the President Kofor government. And yet, in the year 2008, we encountered two challenges, four shortages, um, high fuel prices, and then water shortages. Remember what brought the famous um, Kofor gallon, gallon situation? And so as a result of these two challenges, in spite of all the things Kofor did, we lost that election. And the results or the replications of losing election in 2008 is what we experienced between 2013 and 2016, where industries started to shut down because we had energy crisis. 
where people, Ghanaians have to work for 12 months and they'll be paid for three months because government says we don't have money. Where social safety net, like allowances that allow poor people's kids to be able to go to school, were withdrawn. The government says we didn't have money. That is how bad our situation was. 135,000 children were remaining on the streets every year because the infrastructure wasn't there and the parents could not afford. So eventually when MPP had to come to power, Instead of continuing from the glorious days that Kofor left us, we had to dig back and try to fix a lot of the challenges or a lot of the gap that we had experienced between 2009 and 2016. What the party people are saying is that we don't want to go through that experience again. We want to ensure that, even not for anything at all, for the first time, the little gain we have made, the little successes we have achieved, we should put in place mechanisms and strategies to consolidate those gains. So that whilst we pursue the challenges and the outstanding things, we don't lose sight of it. Because see, what has been happening in the past is that in our pursuit of the outstanding things to be done, we forget or we lose sight of the gains we have made. By the time you come back, all the gains you've made have basically been, been, been washed away. And in order for us to do this and consolidate these gains, we need to win the elections. So the next question they are answering is, who? Witty Tonet. Tonet is Romani Mahama. To a battle, you don't only rely on your own strength. You need to, first of all, before you even consider your capability, you need to look at your opponent's strength and weaknesses. And now that we've determined our opponent's strength and weaknesses, we are very convinced in our mind, we are resolute that the person within our party that can beat our opponents, His Excellency John Domani Mahama, mm. is Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya. And that is the reason, that's the reason why, throughout our campaign across the country, we've been embraced, we've been accepted. And we received by the party people the rank and file from the bottom to the top in the manner in which you are seeing. Mm -hmm. The issue of weight in line. Come on. We have ministers of state who are not supporting Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya. Cabinet mm -hmm. ministers. They were not affected by the whip. They didn't feel the pain when they were whipped. It's not true. It is not factual. It is false. Again, one of those defeatist arguments that let's say there are 80 ministers. You have three of them. The three of them, you are not rebuking them. You are not complaining. And you said, as for them, when you are moving, they should follow you. But because the other person has 81, hey, all the 81, they, they've been whipped in line. Is it the case that the three following you have also been whipped to support you? There are over 130, close to 137 or 138 MPs. Is that the case? Mm -hmm. You have MPs like Botiano, Sylvester following Honorable Alan. You have Deputy Minister for Finance, who is MP for Etiwa East, Abnasari. You have Honorable Carlos Ahinkra. You have um, Honorable Peter Mewu, who is a Cabinet Minister. You have Ajaso Tuom MP. You have um, Honorable Opoku Davis of Empriso. All of these MPs are following Allah. They have but, not been whipped in line. Dr. Baumia was the right person to lead the NPP. Mm. Why do you think these MPs you are mentioning are not behind him? In every democracy, there are dissenting views. Mm. And that is why we run with the majority. So, if the majority have chosen Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya, who is worried about the 10? There are 120 with Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya. Who is worried about 10 or 12 without him? And why is it that you think the 120 have been whipped in line to follow Bamiya, but you don't think the 10 have been also been whipped in line to follow the other candidates? That is the logic that you have to interrogate you yourself. Here, so, I'm asking before. you relations. Yeah, so that's why Bamiya. I'm also questioning that logic. Mm. That when people raise those concerns, it's defeatist. Mm. It is because they themselves have accepted that they lack the capacity to be able to convince people to follow them. Don't forget, in this election, only one category of people in our party are not allowed to openly declare their support, the national executives. Any other person, 
ministers of state, DCEs, regional executives, consultancy executives, police station executives, members of parliament, they are allowed, per rules of engagement in our party, to declare their support for whoever they want. And let me tell you, as I sit here, in the decisions to be made around the flag bearership of our party this year, Nanado Dankweku, for the president, has the same power, the same rights, just as I have. I have one vote, he has one vote, the polling station executive in this, your polling station has one vote, and it will be almost impossible for any individual to say that I am asking everybody to support one. In fact, I will be glad if that decision was taken, because really, it will make our work easy. At the moment, we have so many of the party people from the polling station to the highest level you can think, supporting Dr. Mahmoud Babia because they believe in his message, because they believe in his capacity to win the elections for the party, because they believe in his capabilities to be able to lead us into the election 2024. You are saying that even if you believe Dr. Mahmoud Babia can do it, you shouldn't declare your support for him because you are worried that somebody will say what? That you didn't support them. They should rebuke the few who are following them. I see. Then we would understand that they are, they are making it from but, a fair but point. But really, what's your thoughts around this school of thought or those on the other side of the divide who believe that, well, Dr. Baumia, as vice president by virtue, being the head of the economic management team, has actually run the economy down, given the fact that he said some of the things in the past that he was going to turn the economy around, arrest the city. We've not seen that and that he shouldn't be given the chance to worsen the economic quagmire. Let the Ghanaian people decide. Mm. Our party's job is to determine who will lead us into the next elections. That decision lies with the party. When the party have their leader, the party and their leader will now go to the Ghanaian people mm. and go and account to them of all the things we said we'll do, what we've been able to do, what is our standing and how we plan to do it. And then the Ghanaian people will decide that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, election 2024 is not going to be based on propaganda, spins and rhetorics. Election 2024 is going to be based on measurement of performance of, of, of the various candidates. And good news is that we are going into an election with a the, with the candidate that has been president before, that has been vice president before. It gives us one of the best opportunities to have a fair level of measurement in terms of performance. When we get there, we'll take it sector by sector. Because don't forget, when we talk about economy, it is not only about the macroeconomic indicators that we talk about. Human capital development is part. Health is part. Agriculture is part. Energy is part. And so many others. So we are going to put all of these things together and measure and say that, okay, how did we fare under education? How did Jomahama is a celebrity fare under education? How did we fare under health? How did he fare under health? That is how we are going into, to, we are going into the elections. Mm. But ultimately, why are you worried? The decision is for our party. Let our party elect our leader. If our party people believe that Dr. Mahmoud Baumia is the one who can lead us today, that's their choice. Yeah. And when we get there, they know how to rally around their leader to be able to have this conversation you are having I with see. the people of Ghana. But I'm aware, uh, I'm sure you've also seen the viral video, uh, bundles of cash piled up with allegations that that's Dr. Baumia trying to monetize Saturday's polls. Has it come to your attention? That video, mm -hmm. I'm, I was just, I'm just opening YouTube for you. Mm -hmm. That video was used during the same video. It mm -hmm. was used during the NDC's regional elections. Mm -hmm. the, the NDC also used it within their internal elections and said that some of the executives were sharing that same video, that mm -hmm. same money. During their national elections, that same video and that same money was used. During the NDC's flag-bearership elections, that same video was used. During our national elections that we did in Accra, that same video that you are talking about, it was bandied around. In fact, 
last two weeks, three weeks ago, that same video was bandied around that it was money found in Sicilia, the Pounder Sicilia, the Pair's bedroom. Let's move on and talk about serious matters. I see. But these are companies you should no, know. No, 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 no. These days, verifying these things are, are so easy. For the ordinary public. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But you should. You know, some of these things sometimes you don't even let us let us clarify. You should so, tell so, them straight so, away so, that so, we are so, verified and we know. Fact check it. When you go around your campaign, mm. what, what's aside from the message you put across and give to you know your followers, mm. what else do you do for them? Uh, why not? We, for example, if you come to my constituency, mm. you have. Police station executives coming from Kenten Crane. You know Kenten Crane. Kenten Crane is down there beyond Kofodia. When they come, they pick taxis and come to a crop on the venue. They come and sit in a crop on, let's say, 9 a.m. The meeting starts at 1 p.m. We close the meeting at 4 p.m. We give them their transportation, what they use from their homes to come to a crop on. We give that to them. We give them water to drink. We give them food to eat whilst they are waiting. But that is what are, we do for them. These are things that have been classified as monetization. It is uh, anybody that says that. Um, what? What is? Which book are they reading? Mm. Who? Which book? What? Under what authority are they saying that? Even in the churches, go and ask how they bring their people to the Independence Square. What are you talking about? That I am part of a voluntary association. Okay, this political party, if you are a police station executive, you are not paid, and that my party or somebody in my party has invited me to come for a meeting. I didn't go to my farm. And then I have come to the venue. And then my 20 cities or 30 cities I used for the transportation has been given to me. And you say it's what monetization. Which book are they reading? Which democracy does it that? Go and see. Go to the U.S. They are bursting people to their conventions. They are giving people food. They are giving people water. Even in the church. When we go for conventions, don't you give people water to drink? Are we monetizing the church? Are we inducing people to go to heaven? Sometimes we need to be realistic and, 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 and face the reality. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it would be my wish that we even have more to give them beyond even the transportation that they brought. Because these so people... if you have the opportunity or the resources... If I have more, why not? Why money. not? Because if, if they go back to their constituencies, their polling stations, we encourage them to go and do door-to-door and house-to-house. Mm. Which, which institution, which organization, be it association, club, or church, doesn't provide resources and logistics for their members utilize to pursue the agenda or objective of the group. Keep faith clubs. Keep faith clubs. Don't they pay dues? When they pay the dues, what do they use the dues for? Is it not to run the, the organization? These are the realities. Like I said, some of these things you don't speculate. You must establish them. I see. And but if I, people but, speculate but, but and you don't... Is it the fact that you are justifying vote buying? I am not. I haven't even mentioned mm. vote buying. I am telling you that if you call if you call that votes by it means that you do not understand mm. you have no authority to have a conversation around the conversation we are having that somebody leaves his home to a to a meeting at another venue you give the person water and food to drink and you provide the transportation the person brought you call it vote by but you know agree that perhaps the fact that you are giving this particular person this resource is actually going to influence how the was the person, person supposed to come to the meeting to come and hear you no through the personal resources how if the person which democracy which democracy rights like that give me one example of a democracy but if the case is that you are giving money to it's a very because... ignorant position it's very ignorant for anybody to say that in an organization even in the church women fellowship when they are traveling from the latter mount Calvary the, methodist the, church the, to Kofoidua, the, the context of church it is the same thing it's not different it is the same thing it is the same thing it is not different when you have an organization, the organization resources its members for them to execute the objective of the organization. 
It is only when the person is doing something on his own that you would say that he should find his own money. But I can't invite you to a meeting. And then media. When the media come for meet the press, don't we give them a uh, 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 transfer? We do. Yeah, it is on record. I, I don't know. Please. It is even documented. Yeah, the ones in No, there's nothing Morocco. wrong with it. We have, we don't take about, away. We don't have don't about run away from the media bit. We, we have about. Don't run away from the media bit. Is it Saturday, is it by, is it Baumia media buying? We'll be on the ballot paper <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> Quickly, in 30 seconds, what's your message to, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the Dr. Delegate, Mahmoud Baumia represents the hope mm. of the new patriotic party and the future of Ghana. Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya represents our biggest shot, our biggest opportunity to win the next elections in 2024 against His Excellency John Dramani Mahama. He has shown evidence, he has shown working in the northern region on how he was able to move our fortunes from three constituencies to about 16 constituencies as we speak now. And we are very convinced that if the party people should give him the vote, he has the capacity and capability to mobilize all of us around him to deliver election 2024 for us and to consolidate the gains we have made as a country and lead us into the new Ghana we are trying to build for ourselves. I see. But there are also concerns that he won't win the election. Are you, are you bothered? Which, which election? The main election, the 2024, the, the November election. Oh, how? Let me tell you something. The way our party is structured, eh? the way Even our, party, becomes part the way of the our party is structured, whoever wins Saturday's election, we win November 4th. If but, but Saturday, betting five, is taxed five persons, now, five so persons. we can't bet. Five Otherwise, persons, I am persons, telling yeah. you that whoever leads mm -hmm. the Saturday elections will win, win November. November. It is because what of the if, way... What if it's not Dr. Baumia? Whoever. That's what I'm telling you. But Dr. Baumia will win that election on Saturday by not less than 70%. Is, is it true that pe some people have expressed interest in being the vice if Dr. Baumia becomes, you know, the presidential candidate of the NPP. Every politician's objective is to be vice and president are one you, day. Are you one of those? Yes, persons? every politician. If you don't have that ambition, then you have no business being in it. It's like being a policeman. Every policeman wants to be IGP one mm, day. So you want to be vice Everybody. President, then why do you want to be president? So your objective is to hit. That's the highest. Are you lacing your boots for that? I am telling you that the highest point for every politician is to be president. Mm. And if you can be vice president, then you are close to being president so if people are expressing those views i think they are in order they should continue to express but the ultimate decision lies in whoever becomes candidate and the national council of the party well we get to know that at the end of the post on saturday he is one of the spokespersons for dr baumia that's how we wrap up tonight's edition of Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Nila Tilati. Show was produced by Samir Afi. Kobna Wilson, Beverly London Technical Support from Desmond Nyako. New Media Support from Edwin Kwaokofi. My name is Nila Tilati. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at 5.30 GMT. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 97.